0: You know, running before you learn how to walk uh, in a lot of ways when you're doing just creative up front without all the other infrastructure and understanding and and looking at it systematized.
1: I, I hate seeing companies where they haven't made a post for a year and a half. It just shows me that you're not relevant, you're not staying on top of it. Front. Yep.
0: I think the reason this question even comes up though, is because there has been a push towards moving dollars from traditional to digital, and it's yes. not because it's less valuable necessarily, but I think it's more
1: measurable. Yeah. Good morning, good afternoon. Good night, wherever you are located listening today, welcome to the Challenge Tunity podcast. I'm Chris Lawson, your host. Uh, We have a very exciting episode today. Um, As usual, joining me is my co-host, Jordan Wolfe, who tells me that men in his family get denser bones and thicker hair as they age. So it's good to know that true?
0: Well, I don't know. I guess I'll never know what the hair
1: thing (laughs) might (laughs) be. (laughs) From experience, we don't know. We don't Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Well, like I mentioned, we have a very interesting episode today. The episode um, is a little unique. It's just going to be you and I today. We don't have a host or I guess a guest Um, and we're going to expose or at least try to expose marketing myths. So there's eight myths that we've kind of put our brain together and wrote down, and our goal today is to expose those. Um, Hmm. Are you ready? Are you excited?
0: Super ready. Yeah. Super ready?
1: (laughs) Well, why don't we just dive into it? Because I think each of the eight topics or myths that we're going to talk about could be a podcast episode on their own. Um, We're hoping that we're only going to talk for a few minutes on each and just kind of get right to the the heart of the matter um and so i don't want to waste any time how's that sound
0: rapid fire let's do it
1: rapid fire all right jordan first one you need a huge budget to get results in digital marketing so
0: budgets are always an important thing to look at from the context of return so anytime we're talking about marketing it's in the pursuit of something there must be a goal um, you know, we, we think of smart objectives. There's also campaign related outcomes like return on ad spend, for example, and in the advertising uh, portion of your marketing mix, all of these focus the efforts towards achieving something that gets you something else. Uh, so if we're talking about marketing or, you know, advertising might be the cleanest way to look at budgets. You can look at a budget through the scaling of the result. So if you're needing to get something that is very costly to achieve, then yes, a budget is going to cost, um, and require a larger budget. So if you're selling a very difficult product to sell or a product that has a high price or has a really long buying cycle that may influence that a higher budget is required, other things like the competitiveness and how you know, your competitors might be influencing the pricing of certain mediums or access to certain mediums in your marketing mix. That can also be an element to it. Um, one example I use here to really illustrate this with the competitor influence is, um, you know, when we work with say a small business, like a local insurance brokerage, and there's lots of them out there, depending on your province or state, um, you may have insurance brokerages out there and they're trying to sell you know, car insurance or life insurance, any number of things that, you know, they could make great money on. And, you know, if they were to approach an agency like ourselves, or even try to do this in-house where they might use say Google PPC ads as a common way to get business in many different industries. The problem is in that particular industry, if you're going to be a local uh, insurance brokerage, you're a small business, maybe, you know, a couple owners or just a, it's your own business. And you've got a few staff you're maybe going to look at it and go like, Hey, I'm I'm going to spend $5,000 on PPC advertising. That's a lot of money. I'm going to make sure that I get a good return from that. But what you'll realize is that in most markets, um, small local, uh, insurance brokerages are competing against larger formal banks Mm -hmm. and huge institutions where $5,000 is a joke. So your $5,000, you're hoping to spend maybe a dollar to a click to get some decent traffic, which could become your next customer. And that may be true except, you know, a bank is willing to pay, well, you know, maybe $150 a click because they're looking Mm -hmm. at the big picture, like the the longevity of that client and they've got the money to throw around and they do. So that can really influence your budgets. So saying something as broad as you need a huge budget to get results is probably too broad of a statement, but it it can be required in certain situations.
1: You know, I agree with everything you're saying. I would also add to, it ties to your objective and your business modeling. So, for example, if if you're going to try to be the next I don't know, product supplier for the entire United States, right, and you have the infrastructure to handle that, and that's what you need to do based on your business model in order to flourish, well, you're probably going to need a bigger budget. Same thing applies with the geography that's tied to that. Um, sometimes when we talk to businesses, they come in and they say, hey, well, yeah, I want to run ads and, you know, I don't know. Basically, from you know Western Canada all the way over to Ontario, and it's, okay, well that's great, but do you realize your thousand dollars divided by thirty days in the month equates to thirty odd dollars per day divided up by all the cities? Next thing you know, you have a dollar in Toronto, a dollar mm-hmm. in in Calgary, or whatever. So, um, I think you'll be realistic about your budget. Um, mm-hmm. Let's jump into the next one, um, which honestly this is one that I'm passionate about. You must be on every social media channel for your organization.
0: Why don't you start this one? You want me to start? You asked the question, but yeah, just answer your own question.
1: <laughs> I'll answer my own question. Well, you know what? Yeah. I think, I think social media is a fun one to clients because we use it every day. You know, it's different. You you don't you don't talk to clients very often, and they have this incredible knowledge about the back end algorithm of some you know, of Google or for search or something. But with social, people understand how it works for the most part. But the problem is, even though there might be a billion users on Instagram or on Twitter or on YouTube or on Facebook or whatever platform, doesn't mean you have to be there. You first have to understand your messaging, who that message is applicable to, reverse engineer that to your audience, and then ultimately do it well. I I hate seeing companies where they haven't made a post for a year and a half. It just shows me that mm-hmm. you're not relevant. You're not staying on top of it. You're better off to focus on a channel or two and do it well than to focus on a third, a fourth, a fifth.
0: And Especially if that's a, if that's a market that yeah. your audience is actually spending their time on, then spend your time on your dollars there.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll talk to municipalities or you know oil and gas companies and you'll look on their bottom of their website at their channels that they're focusing on, Twitter, for example. And you're just like, why are you on Twitter? Why, why? You're not unless you're a day trader or something, Twitter is not going to be relevant to majority of businesses out there when it comes to getting ROI, measurable ROI. So my opinion you should not be on every single social media channel if anything focus in on a couple and ace it what say you jordan
0: i would agree with all those things but you know just making sure that you're keeping your audience at the forefront of that to to know that you know if you're doing the best tiktok you know strategy but none of your customers use TikTok because they're you know maybe they mm-hmm. skew older or whatever it happens to be then you're probably wasting your time or you're just really going after a very small sliver of a niche of that mm-hmm. audience that happens to be on that platform so you, you need to balance what you can pull off what you have time to do well as well as what is going to actually be viewed by your ideal customer
1: and if you're doing TikTok dances and your mar- market's not even there i mean that's a lot of energy expelled so Maybe
0: good exercise though. So it would be. There's, good. <laughs> there's always that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's the next myth, there, Jordan Wolf?
0: Um, marketing is all about promotion. Promotion is an interesting word in the marketing area because that, that g- often gets called a synonym in a lot of ways for marketing, or you know, advertising, or those things kind of blend together. But uh, yeah, interesting question.
1: Well, I mean, when I understand the word promotion, what I really think about is you know, pushing a product, a service, a mandate upon somebody, you know, you're promoting something to them. Um, no, not all marketing is about promotion. Um, you know, we often think about online advertising. Yeah, there could be some promotion there, but at the same time, brand awareness is not always about promotion. You can very much showcase your brand in a unique way that showcases your values. Um, Maybe it's not about pushing a service or a product or a value proposition. Maybe you're looking for something like, I don't know, uh, careers or employment, right? Sometimes it's not about pushing, you know, who you are upon people. It's just about naturally showcasing who you are and the values you carry on social media throughout the year. So that when that eventually does happen, you don't have to be that organization that changes your, your logo to a certain color to just say that you stand out you know, you don't have to push something. It can be a part of your culture and ingrained in your, in your marketing throughout the year in different ways.
0: Mm-hmm. And trust is a big word in that, I think too, where mm. if, if you're able to build trust with somebody, even if you don't really have a firm grasp of what they offer, people are people like you, we build friendships this way. We build families this way and communities this way where, you know, I don't really care that you have a nice thing, so long as I can, you know, trust you to help me when I'm down or help me with certain problems. So if you're a business that's able to convey trust in a meaningful and actually genuine way, then that can be really, really beneficial for when that customer happens to stumble into the need and then go like, well, actually, I would prefer mm-hmm. to work with you now
1: that I have this need. All right. Um,
0: Myth guess, number four. Yeah, we can.
1: I don't ask. I there. don't ask this one to you. Okay. Traditional okay. marketing. Okay. Is it dead? Is traditional mm-hmm. marketing dead?
0: No, no, no. Why? It's definitely not dead. Um, so, I mean, when I think of traditional marketing, just to kind of roughly define it um, for mm. for most people, <sighs> traditional and digital are really pitted against each other in most situations where they're they're treated as kind of a yin and a yang, like as if there's some drastically different uh, phenomenon. But in reality, they're just two different places people spend their time. Um, you know, traditionally, uh, traditional advertising is like your mad men, your advertising, your billboards, your, you know, magazine ads, things that you might kind of run into in the outside real world, uh, air quotes, real world, um, Mm -hmm. with the digital marketing on the other hand, that's of course stuff that occurs online. So you need to be plugged in, sitting in front of a screen, interacting with a program, an app, a, a website, a browser, um, and. I think on average, like there's some stats that say like about six hours per day is spent by the average person in North America online, yeah. which is quite a bit of time, six hours yeah. is quite a bit of time minimum. to look to people. Yeah, minimum. And if you're awake for even 12 hours in your day, you know, that, I guess that would be a 12 hour sleep. So whoever's getting 12 hours of sleep these days, so you let me know how you're pulling that off, but let's be generous and say let's that there's sleep. another six hours that people are not online. And they are out there in the world, interacting, going, you know, taking their kids to soccer, doing whatever it happens to be. Those are still marketing opportunities. And as far as like eyeballs and, and, you know, getting in front of somebody is equally as many hours per day. So it's certainly not dead on that front. Yeah. I think the reason this question even comes up though, is because there has been a push towards moving dollars from traditional to digital, and it's not because it's less valuable necessarily, but I think it's more measurable. Yes. And I think that's the key. Yeah, And the online and world that everything's measurable, trackable, you know, even though we're getting cookie blockers and things like that, AI is now taking over that job of kind of making sure that we understand who's visiting websites, who's interacting with things, how much of our dollars are going where and why that's huge for a business. You want to know those things so that on the opposite side, you put up a billboard on the side of the street and you might get some vague ideas of the average traffic that goes by there. You don't know who they are, whether they like mm-hmm. the message or not. Um, now as we get into the more multi-connected world that's slowly shifting back we're getting some digital data with like cameras and things that track things in spooky ways in the real world Mm -hmm. that are influencing traditional marketing methods with more data inputs so that may balance out over time
1: you you literally stole my answer with with the the (laughs) data analysis and the (laughs) measurability of it um i grew up i grew up in a household where Traditional marketing was the focus. Um, you know, my my mom was was a marketing coordinator for years for a company that that's a lot of what they did, and that was the era. Um, the measurability of your ads of your of your website, you know, the the ability to control, if that's the right word, the user experience, and to a certain degree, influence, you know, the buying behavior is is a very powerful thing that happens in in this world. No, no different than the placement of the chips in the chip aisle. You know, there there's certain spots in the aisle that are going to convert, or have people purchase those chips more than in other parts of that aisle, and um, it it's worth more, right? It's no different than than bidding on ads online. Um, but I think what it really comes down to is understanding your audience, understanding who they are, where they live. Just like there's social media channels or, you know, sectors of digital marketing that will not be applicable to you and your business, your organization, or that audience. Same thing applies with traditional, uh, traditional marketing. You know, doing a radio or TV ad in the wrong market will have zero dividends for you. So, um, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Jordan, what's our next myth?
0: Um, marketing is read, led by creativity alone. Um yeah, that's, you know, I, I started my career in the graphic design uh, education, then went into business and then got into marketing. So it's kind of a weird hybrid of these, these worlds, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Chris, why don't you take a crack at that first?
1: Oh, can we just do a whole podcast on this topic? <laughs> <laughs> Cause it, there's mm-hmm. a lot here. Uh, uh, is it led by creativity alone? Well, I mean, clearly the answer is no. It's not. It's not led by creativity alone. I would argue it should never be led with creativity. If I'm being, maybe that's a hot take. Um, you know, your marketing should not start with creativity. Period. You know, I, I think that that is the truth. It should start with an understanding of your objectives, an understanding of your audience. Not just oh, they're you know, single moms from this age to this age. No, I mean, what are the deep down heart-rooted problems that that individual is trying to solve? Maybe they're a procurement person in a company. Maybe they're a marketing coordinator. Like, who are they and what, what, what do they need in their personal life? Um, that gets you into data. That gets you into briefs, um, even strategy and hypothesis. Um, but even when you get to a place where creativity and the sex appeal of marketing is applied... It's applied for a reason. And it's usually not because you had a shower and had some epiphany in the morning or you're driving to work and you're singing your favorite, you know, I was going to use a country person's name. I don't know if I can use their names on our podcast, but regardless, <laughs> using an individual song to inspire you or whatever, that's not where it, it, it comes from. And it, it definitely isn't where it comes from in the middle of that process. There's an iterative process where you're making ongoing adjustments based on, testing and heat mapping and all these fun things. So no, no, marketing is not led by creativity. I don't even think it's maintained by creativity, but it is important. It does have a place. It will increase and affect conversions and engagement. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll impact your brand. It'll impact a lot of things.
0: Yeah. We might be a little bit biased on this particular question due to our agency is kind of a bit of a reaction to this. Um, you know, we are the opposite of a creative agency and it's not to say we don't do creative work. Of course we do. It's just Mm -hmm. integrated into other tasks. It is a step in a process that we follow where it's not the thing we lead with. Um, mostly we're building, you know, systems and processes that build up fundamentals that kind of solve that Mm -hmm. problem that creativity upfront would have, which is, it's kind of like learning to you know, running before you learn how to walk, uh, in a lot of ways when you're doing just creative upfront without all the other infrastructure and understanding and, and looking at it systematized. But then again, we invented an agency that invented a process called marketing systems engineering. So mm-hmm. a little bit biased on this one.
1: Yeah. You just, you know, creativity is within marketing. It's important. It's just, you don't lead with it. I, I believe, um, the next marketing myth journal, ask you this one. It, and it's an interesting one because, um, if you if you are in the marketing world, I don't care if you're in an agency or not, um, and you focus in on say uh, an oil and gas type client or you know a lot of this B two B, those types of industries. A lot of the time, what happens is you're dealing with executives, general managers, business development people. You're not dealing with with mar- marketing people, and the question comes up all the time from decision-makers in the, in those companies, do I need a marketing manager to promote my organization?
0: Yeah, um, my main problem with this one is actually, the, the question is phrased in a way that probably most people would ask it, but really what the problem is, is I think a lot of people have a definition of what a marketing manager is that is incorrect to what is required today. Or Yeah. Or a marketing coordinator or a marketing manager. Right. So either of those things, I think to most people, if you look at most of the job descriptions, and certainly once you get these jobs, you end up becoming a marketing unicorn that's supposed to know everything about every part of marketing inside and out. And you'll be pivoting from designing brochures to running social media, to, you know, doing promotional campaigns at events and trying to do all these things at an exceptional level, because you're in a competitive landscape. And... The modern world is just so fractured with the amount of things you need to know and how specialized that knowledge Mm -hmm. needs to be in each of those one areas in order to be competitive, that you end up just kind of doing a whole bunch of things that achieve very little. And so that marketer who is everyone, who is everything, um, it's kind of like saying like, oh, we're going to build cars. Um, so I'm going to hire somebody to build cars. It it's like, okay, the same person who's assembling the vehicle is the same person who's painting it, who's also like forming the sheet metal, who's also, you know, testing it and doing crash. Like that doesn't make sense. You have specialists that help to move you from A to B to C to D yeah. to achieve a larger goal, which is your marketing. Yeah. So your marketing mix should be looked at like a specialist. Now, do you need a marketing manager that helps to make sure that all those moving pieces can go? Someone who manages that probably at a certain scale you do. Sometimes, you know, you can start off with best practices and just get you know, people doing smaller tasks that assemble to a bigger unit without somebody being central to it. But at a certain scale, it's probably a wise position, but only if you treat it as such. They're there to maximize all those specialists. They're not there to try to be bits of pieces, all of all of them.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And and I would even kind of twist it a little bit in that if you are a marketing manager, a coordinator, you know, um, a CMO, Take the weight off your shoulders. You cannot know everything. You can't. You cannot be an expert in ads and an expert in social and an expert in Google's algorithm. At the same time, be a designer and do all the content writing for your print. Oh, and by the way, also manage your radio and your TV and all the traditional stuff. Like, it doesn't, you cannot be 100% in all of those things. Now, what you can be though is you can be the person who's holding it all together at the, in the middle and helping your agency and helping the person on Fiverr and all these, whatever you're doing, to be able to really produce the best assets or the best results that, that you're releasing them, essentially. Um, and you'll always have your, your skills. You know, keep your things that you're really good at close to your chest and in-house. But no... You don't need a marketing coordinator to promote. You can reach out to an agency. You can have resources outside. And frankly, some of the stuff, depending on your market, like if you're a multinational company, the answer obviously is you need someone. But if you're a really small mom-and-pop shop or something like that, sometimes just running your, your email campaigns or your social media in-house based on budgetary restraints is the right move. You know, you don't always mm-hmm. have to be a genius. Jordan. Next myth. Yeah. Marketing. Is it an event? Is it a one-time one event? Oh, time yeah. I did it today.
0: Yeah. It's done. You did yeah, the, you I, did the I marketing? Finished, I finished the marketing today. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that?
1: Yeah. We're done. How many marketings did Good. you do today? Mm. Just one, two, At three? At least three. At least three. Three marketings. Three marketings. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, it seems silly, like just upfront, it it seems like a silly kind of Mm -hmm. statement. I can understand it. Um, and I think it's coming from more of the perspective of like, oh, we did a campaign. We went to an event. Now it's over. We we finished our marketing projects. Um, This comes up. Yeah. This comes up, unfortunately, a lot for businesses that are, uh, let's call them accounting run or financially based where it's just all about budgets all the time. Um cool, here, marketing department, spend your budget, do some things. Uh, that is the wrong way to look at it. It's, it's more like we're assembling something that needs to keep moving, like we're building a path to get somewhere. So, um, you know, it doesn't make sense. It's a journey, not a destination.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and like on any journey, you stub your toe the odd time, right? You trip, mm-hmm. you make mistakes in marketing. And if you're doing it properly, um, like we often say, if it's not measured, it's not managed. So if you're properly measuring as you go down that journey, you'll be able to not only understand how you got success, but when you do stub your toe and you do fail, you can reverse engineer that data and actually get success from it. So it is not an event. Um, it is a process. That is what I will say to that one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's the next yeah. one, Jordan?
0: So the last, the last one, actually. Um, mm. We're going to end on this one. And this one's kind of a trick question in a way. So I'll let you kind of wrestle with this. But... Um, volume is what gets you results in social media.
1: You know, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to absolutely hate my answer because we're in the middle of some shifts. And if you go to any marketing conference over the last, well, let's go back four or five years because COVID kind of stopped some of that. um, There were algorithms like LinkedIn that was all about volume. Every post that you did, you had to go and like or comment on 10 other people's posts. And yet it was like this mathematical, mysterious equation that everybody was trying to figure out. But at the end of the day, it was all about pushing as much as possible. And people like Gary Vee and that, not saying he promotes it like this now, but back then, he definitely was about volume. It's not. It's not anymore. And that might be where I get, you know, some comments on this. But the reality is social channels, social networks are moving more toward a consistency um, approach. And I, it's a gut, it's, it's an opinion of mine that I think what ends up happening when you're pushing so many reels and so many posts and so many stories, just like in the world of net promoter score methodology, you're causing people to be retractors of your brand and your product or your message as opposed to causing them to be promoters. It will actually drive down your engagement rate, whether you're measuring things like direct messages, comments, likes, shares, things like that. So if you're out there and you're thinking, I don't know why I'm not getting results. I don't know why we're not getting all of the comments and the leads. It could be because you're trying too hard. You know, you're better to push quality consistently. Like I know a lot of our clients, it's three posts per week period and we get yeah. fantastic results with those clients again it's a process that takes some time you know weeks months quarters but no volume is not what i i believe volume is not at all how you're going to get results on social media be relevant
0: yeah yeah uh you know engagement rates are a huge part of new algorithms these days so you know our if you put something out there, do people actually click on it, spend time on it, go you know, read the article, open the read mores, do all that kind of stuff. Those become really important, which means your message has to be something that clicks with people. So you need to understand mm-hmm. them really deeply and have something to say, otherwise none of those things happen. Now, you know, there are times where you're just going to post something fluffy or have some fun with it. Social media, mm-hmm. have some fun. Do what you want to do. It doesn't, everything doesn't have to be thought out thoroughly to the, the nth degree. But every once in a while, you need to be making sure that that's part of your your process to go through there yeah. and put something out there, juicy, some steak that people can, can yeah. eat and share.
1: Well, I mean, sometimes the fluffy posts are the ones you get the most engagement on, right? But then it's the next post that you do in a few days or next week that has some oomph to it, actual value that speaks to that individual that causes them to actually get that message in front of them because they were engaged with the one that was prior. So again, it ties to your strategy. Well, we decided today that we were going to take on eight marketing myths, try to expose them. Uh, I think we did okay in what, in 27 minutes, I I think. And some of these topics, Jordan, yeah, yeah, I think some of these topics we could have done an entire episode or even podcast on. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Let's do it again. Let's just do another eight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right now, go. Uh. Yeah, you know what? I would do that. I would, I think there are so many marketing myths out there, whether it be digital or just mentality or, you know, how you approach certain challenges that I think even educated individuals get stuck in these in these ruts, and um, I think down the road let's let's do another episode where we're ta- tackling another eight marketing myths. Absolutely. So maybe we'll say this: if you are listening to this episode and you have a marketing myth on the top of your mind, and you're going, "Huh," let's see how these guys can answer this one. Add it in the comments. Go to our website. Send us an email. We definitely want to hear from you. We don't do this just because we want to see our own face. We do this because, frankly, we're passionate about marketing. We're passionate about making a change in organizations' lives. Um, So if you have questions, send them over. As usual, though, um, don't forget to subscribe to our channels. We launch this on YouTube through a video, but if you're listening to us, it's on Apple, it's on Google, it's on Spotify, so on and so forth. So anywhere that you get your um, your podcasts, we are there. Jordan, it was a hoot. Hoot hoot. Hoot hoot. We'll see you guys all in two weeks. Cheers.